really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. And we pray that God will really bless his word for us this morning, particularly with what the news that we've just heard. Because we're starting a new series, as David said, we're starting a new series called Life's Healing Choices. And I have to say, I don't think there's any coincidence that we're starting this series now. I think God knows what he's doing and he knows what he wants to do in our lives, in our individual lives, but also our lives as a church family. So it's really important that we embrace this series as we think through what's happened. So if we can go to our first, thank you. When my children were little, they used to have some toys. And these toys were called Happy Land. And up there on the screen, you can see the kingdom of Happy Land. Let's have a look and see what makes the kingdom of Happy Land. First of all, obviously, we've got a shop. Hopefully a sweet shop or a chocolate shop. But we've got the shop in Happy Land. Then we've got, if you go on to the next slide, fantastic, a school. Really important. I hope, children, you're all enjoying being back at school and working really hard at school. Next, we've got a playground where you can go and let off all that energy that's so important. And then we've got the people that help us, the fire station, the police station, all the people that we need to keep us safe. And then right in the middle, we've got a church. I don't know if you can see that. But the figure there is a proper looking vicar. It's what a pastor should look like. So if you ever want to know what a pastor should look like, it's up there on the screen. But if you look at the figures in our happy land, everyone is happy and smiling. A bit like Facebook. Reality, as we know, is different. And reality in Jesus' time was definitely different. You think about what those people were going through. Think about Jesus' disciples, the experiences that they'd had. They were downtrodden and they were desperate for somebody to save them. They were desperate for somebody to reach out and touch them and see them and know them. They were desperate for the Messiah to come, the Saviour to come and rescue them. And the reason they were desperate for that was because the prophets had told them that was what was going to happen. It says in the Old Testament that the Messiah is going to come. If you have a look, Isaiah 42. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not alter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. These people whose lives were so difficult needed justice. They needed help. They were maybe holding on to their picture of what happy land was going to be like. Now I want us to try and imagine that we were one of Jesus' disciples. And he's called us. He's called us by name. How amazing would that be? He's called us by name. And he said, I want you to follow me. And we've done it. We've given up quite a lot, but it doesn't matter because we've recognised that Jesus is really special. We know that Jesus is somebody, hopefully, the Messiah, that's going to come and rescue us. And so we give up everything and we start to follow him. And we realise that he's about to give a really amazing speech. And so we follow him up a mountain. 
Jesus must have had a real aura about him. He must have had the message that I am peace, I am love, I am hope. And so they followed him up this mountain. We followed him as his disciples. And we sit down and we are expectant. We're waiting for his speech. Crowds are gathering because everywhere we go now, crowds are following us. And they're waiting for his speech. In a minute, we're going to listen to the speech that Jesus delivered. But in it, he mentions the word blessed. I wonder what being blessed means to you. Now, I know in your head, all of you are now thinking of the proper religious answer, what being blessed means. But I wonder when you really, truly feel blessed. Just take some time to talk to the people around you about what being blessed means to you. Okay, that took some time to get warmed up. Some of you start, took quite a long time to get started talking, and now I know you're not going to stop talking. But I wonder what it really feels to be blessed, and all of us will have a different answer. For some of us, feeling blessed is being with the people that we really, really love, and the people that love us. For some of us, it might be getting the promotion at work, because we've worked so hard for it, and we deserve it. For some of us, it might be getting the car or the house or the pair of shoes that we so desperately need. For some of us, it might be when our football team wins. For some of us, it might just be something you say when somebody sneezes. Let's now listen to the speech that Jesus gave to his disciples and the people that were following him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that just gives me goosebumps, because that's just an amazing speech. But for the disciples, it would have been a bit of a shock, I think, because they were expecting this Messiah that was going to just set them free. And he gave that speech. We're going to explore the Beatitudes more. That's what our new series is about. And, but just before I start talking, I know, children, you've been very patient. 
If somebody could give out the packs, that would be amazing. In your packs, you're going to make a Beatitudes cup because this is what represents the kingdom of God. And in it, you will have a lolly stick and the Beatitudes for you to colour in and then on the back to show what you interpret it as. So the packs are given out and then Faith, if we can have the cups and the lolly sticks as well, that's amazing. Thank you. So that speech would not have been what the disciples expected. They were waiting for their Messiah and that was the speech. They would have been a little bit confused, I think, but because it was Jesus that was delivering it, they would have known it was truth. These are now known as the Beatitudes and they are hugely, hugely important because I believe that the Beatitudes show us what the kingdom of God is. And that's why we're starting our new series. And we're really ex excited about this new series because if we really accept the truths that it tells us, that can be truly life-changing. Now, I don't know if you've ever played a game on a Wii when you've got the little characters that are running around. Every now and I know it's really old-fashioned. Wii sort of has gone out of fashion, I think. But I used to play it. And every now and again, the little characters would go out of sync. And they would start to do things a bit erratically. And they wouldn't follow your commands. And you'd tell them to move forward. Ten seconds later, they would move forward. What you had to do was get your nunchuck. I love that word. Get your nunchuck. And you had to recalibrate them. And when you recalibrated these characters, they got back in sync with you. They did what they needed to do straight away. And they were back in sync and back in control. We are hoping, we are praying that this new series gives, does that for a church. It gives us a chance to recalibrate ourselves as individuals. We seem to have lost the slides. Thank you. Recalibrate ourselves individually and as a church family to live beautifully in a broken world. Let me just say that again. We want to recalibrate ourselves and recalibrate us as a church family to live beautifully in a broken world. Because I believe that's what the Beatitudes are. They are Jesus showing us how to live beautifully in a broken world. So let's try and get our heads a little bit around that teaching that he delivered that would have surprised and shocked people so much. Now, I'm a very simple soul, as most of you know. And when I'm looking at a text... One of the ways I get my head around the text is to ask some questions. It's how we used to teach children to look at a text. And I ask the questions, who, when, what, where, and why? And we're just going to do that about the Beatitudes now to try and put them into context. So the first question, who? Who delivered the Beatitudes? It was Jesus. And he did it to the disciples and to all the crowds that had followed him. Because he said it to the disciples and all the crowds that were following him, we know it was important. When? We don't know exactly when, but we do know it was right at the beginning of his ministry. I think that's hugely important. Because if you read it in Matthew, it comes fairly soon after he'd been in the wilderness and been tempted. He was baptised, went into the wilderness and was tempted then he did a few healings and everything that he used to do. And then he gave this teaching. So because it was at the beginning of his ministry, I think that's really important. Where? Again, we don't know exactly where. If you go to the Holy Land, I believe there is 
um, a place that they dedicate to the Beatitudes. But nobody does know for sure that that's where they were delivered. But we do know that they were delivered to the north of the Sea of Galilee, an upper mountain. And then the last question, what? And I believe that the Beatitudes are a description of living as a child of God. And we're going to think more about that as we go on. So they're the first few questions, but now we're going to go on to the why. Because the why is a hugely important question. Why did Jesus deliver this controversial message right at the beginning of his ministry? And to understand this, we need to go back. We need to go back to the Old Testament and read what some of the prophets said. So we're going to go back to Isaiah 61. Remember, Isaiah is a prophet. And a prophet is someone that God uses to speak for him. And so Isaiah was talking about what God was going to do in the future, about the Messiah he was going to send. And he said, the Lord has anointed me, he's anointed this Messiah to bring good news to the poor. Actually, can, we, can I be really radical? Can we read this together? Can we all say it together to get these words into our head? So, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Do you recognise any of those words? They're what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. So Isaiah was saying, this is what our Messiah is going to do in the future. Jesus is saying, this is what it is now because I'm here. Isn't that amazing? I just think that's so amazing that the words slightly change. They change because Jesus is there. So Isaiah was saying this is what it's going to be like when the Messiah comes. Jesus is saying this is what it's like from now on because I'm here. And that includes our time. That just gives me goosebumps. I think that's amazing. And so... The words slightly change, but they're still giving the same message. Now, I think I've been really, really guilty sometimes of reading the Beatitudes and thinking they're a list of rules, because I like rules. I like to know what to follow. And I've read them and thought, this is a list of what I need to do and what I don't need to do. I don't think it is. I actually don't think that the Beatitudes are actually about us. I think they're about God. They're about God and his kingdom but they're about our participation in that kingdom. They're showing us what the kingdom of God is, not what it could be, what it is, but it's helping us to live beautifully within that world. Bear with me, it will get clearer, I promise. So let's just think about the word blessed. The Greek word that it would have been translated into is makaroi, which means to be fully satisfied. To be happy and complete. If we can have that, thank you. To be fully satisfied, to be happy and complete in God. This bit's important. To be happy and complete in God, regardless of the circumstances. Isn't that amazing? That happy lamb picture, that wasn't regardless of the circumstances. And so many times we try to live our lives being happy when things are good... But when things go a bit wrong, we lose track. B 
being blessed means to be happy and completing God regardless of the circumstances. Because if you think back to that happy land picture, there weren't any children throwing tantrums. There weren't any uh, couples arguing. There weren't people trying to get food, but they actually couldn't afford the food. That happy land picture was false. I'll tell you another thing that didn't happen, Ian, in this happy land. They didn't have a dog that ate your credit card. <laughs> that happened to me last night, I'm telling you. So happy land is not a real place because real things do happen that throw us. But the Beatitudes are showing us how we can live how we can be happy regardless of the circumstances. And that's why the language is really, really important. And hopefully as we go through this series, it's all going to fall into place into our thinking. So let's go to the first way that Jesus tells us we're blessed. Jesus tells us the first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I wonder when you hear those words, poor in spirit, what do you picture? I googled it, and you can use any other search agent that you want to, but I googled it, and these are the pictures that came up. If you can see them, they're pictures of being poor in spirit. They're quite moving, aren't they? They're quite sad. I don't believe that's what being poor in spirit means. Do you notice they're all looking down? I don't think that's what being poor in spirit means. Thinking about being poor in spirit, we need to think about who God is. Because being poor in spirit is really realising who God is. Being poor in spirit is realising who God is and who we are. I find that quite hard. I know who God is, but when we really realise who God is, when we really realise what God has done for us, then we realise who we are. And in my case, it's not pretty. Let's think back to the series that we've just done. We've done a series talking about who God is. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is eternal. God is glorious, unchanging, and all-knowing. Wow. If we truly grasp that, then we realise who we are. Because actually, we're nothing without God. And that's what being poor in spirit tells us. It proves to us that we are nothing without him. It proves to us that our lives are nothing without him. And what we need to do is realise that we can do nothing to earn power, nothing to earn worth, nothing to earn love, because Jesus has done it all on the cross. And once we grasp that, I think that's what being poor in spirit really, really means. Because when we really realise that God is all those things, how can we live without him? How can we depend on our own power? How can we depend on our own might? How can we depend on all those things that the world tells us is going to help us? Because that's when things go wrong. And it's heartbreaking. The announcement that I've just made has proved to us we need to be sharing the kingdom of God with people because people are hurting I heard an awful statistic this week about alcoholics and about recovery. 3% of alcoholics ever come to any sort of normal, happy life. 3%. 
We have to introduce God to people. People need to know who God is and people need to know that he is the only true thing that we can base our life on. Because when we don't, things go horribly wrong. In this, um, the sermon that Jesus gives, he goes on to talk about where you build your house. We sung about it in that amazing song. If we build our house on the sand, it crumbles. It goes wrong. Anything that we try to build on that isn't God will eventually fail us. Even people, even the nicest people, the most Christian of people, at some point will fail us. The only thing that doesn't fail us is God. That's what being poor in spirit does. It shows us who God is and how much we need him. So how does being poor in spirit help us to live beautifully in a broken world? We're going to think about that now. Because the first thing that it does is it removes anything that we've made too important. I wonder what we really rely on to feel happy. I wonder whether it is other people. I wonder whether it is our material goods or our job or our status. Anything that we put before God and more important to God needs to go. Being poor in spirit is realising that none of those things matter. I was asked a really amazing question about a year ago. And I'm, I'll be honest, I couldn't answer that fully then. I was asked if everything was stripped away. Everything. Is God enough? Being poor in spirit is being able to say yes. Because as the Bible proves over and over again, things can get stripped away. Things can go. Death does happen. And it's heartbreaking. But is God enough for us? Being poor in spirit is truly answering yes. Being poor in spirit helps us live beautifully in a broken world by helping us to receive from God. If we're honest, it's not until we are on our knees sometimes that we accept help. I know that. I know you well. And for lots of you, you have to get to the end before you will receive help. And it's actually easier to receive help when we are poor. And so being poor in spirit helps us receive from God. But it helps us receive from God what he wants to give us, not what we want him to give us. So being poor in spirit, fully relying on God, helps us receive from him. And it also helps us to truly praise him. What is praise and worship? It's given ourselves completely to God. And actually, if we are at the end of our rope, if we have nothing left to give, if we're getting out of bed in the morning and thinking, I cannot face this today, that's when God says, you can't, I can. And I think that's so important to hold on to because there's so many times that we hang on to our own understanding. There's so many times that we hang on to what we want to be, what we want God to do in our lives when we truly get to that point where we say, I have nothing left, that's when God can truly use us. And Anthony, I hope, is going to come up and just share a story with us now that tells us a little bit about accepting who God has made you to be and letting him use you. Years ago, a water bearer had two large pots 
each hung on the ends of a pole, which she balanced and carried across her neck from the stream to her house. The first, the first pot was perfect porcelain, always delivering the full portion of water, but the second pot had a crack in it. Every day, by the time the water bearer reached her house, the second pot leaked so much, it was only half full. The perfect pot was so proud of its accomplishments, but the imperfect pot was aware of its imperfection. It was sad and embarrassed and said to the water bearer, I'm ashamed of myself because this crack in my side causes water to leak out. You should get rid of me. I'm no use to you. The water bearer shook her head and asked, did you notice the flowers only on your side of the path, not on the other pot side? I've always known about the crack, but I planted flower seeds on your side. That way, every day when we walked back to the house, you watered them. Because of you, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to give to people who need cheering up. Thank you, Anthony. To me, that's what being poor in spirit is. It's realising actually we are nothing without God. And that's not putting ourselves down. That's not being self-deprecating. That's not saying, I'm rubbish, don't use me. It's saying, God, use me how you want to use me. It's saying, God, I don't know what to do, but you do. Believe you me, I've got to that point so many times this week. I've had to say to God, I have no idea what you're doing here, but I'll go with it. Because until we get to that point, God can't use us. Because all the things that we put in the way will stop him from being able to truly use us. When we get to the point, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, can you imagine him facing what he had to face? And he let, sat down before God and he said... If you can take this away, take it away. Nevertheless, your will be done. That word nevertheless is hugely important because it's saying, okay, God, if you can't take away this illness, nevertheless, your will be done. If you can't take away my money problems at the moment, nevertheless, I will still serve you. If you can't take away my illness, if you can't take away these feelings of depression and anxiety, nevertheless, I look to you, I trust you, I stand on your word. That's what being poor in spirit is. Now there's so much more that we could explore in all the Beatitudes, but I know that your Sunday lunch is waiting and so you need to go home. But, and I know David's away, but we're still attempting to preach, not for information, but for... I'll tell him that you remembered that. And so what, we, what we'd like to do is to send out some questions just to follow up. So if anyone wants to follow up on life's healing choices, I really would urge you to look at these because they are life-changing. We all have a responsibility to move forward with God in our lives. 
And one of the things that I've realised is that sometimes it's easier to stay where we are because it's less scary. Wherever we are, sometimes it's easier to do that. I was thinking about the uh, message this morning and Jesus really brought to my mind a life-changing moment for me. And it was a time when I really, really understood God's grace, God's power and God's love for me. And I was actually watching, you know, I'm a, a bit of a film addict, and I was watching the film Les, Les Miserables. If you haven't watched the musical Les Miserables, watch it. It is so full of grace. It is so full of redemption. It is so full of love. But I was watching Les Miserables, and at the beginning, there's a scene where everybody is a slave. They're all chained up, and they're moving along. Their life is horrendous. And the song says, look down, look down you'll always be a slave. I really believe that God is saying to us as a church, that's what the devil wants you to believe. That's what the devil is trying to do. With things that are going on within us, within our church family at the moment, he is trying to rob us of hope. He is trying to say, well, why didn't that happen? Why didn't that healing happen? Why did that death happen? The devil is trying to rob us of hope. He's trying to make us look down. And when I was watching this film, it was a time when I was feeling particularly enslaved. I was in a situation that I thought would never change. And the devil was convincing me of that. And I remember hearing God say to me, you look up, you look up. Those pictures of being poor in spirit showed people looking down. Being poor in spirit is not about looking down. It's about looking up and knowing that God is with us and that he's releasing us. Psalm 121 says, lift up your eyes. Where does our help come from? It comes from above. So God is with us, but he needs us to get to that point where we hand everything over to him. All control, all pride, all desire to be something that God doesn't want us to be. When we get to that point, that's when we're poor in spirit. And it doesn't end there because it says, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of God is theirs. We are all part of the kingdom of God if Jesus is our king. And he wants us to live that out by looking up and looking to him. We're going to now end with a song response. Um, to what I've been saying. So if the music group could come up and start setting up, that would be amazing. But the words of the song that we're going to sing, really think about what we're singing. Because it says, if everything was stripped away, is God enough for us? Do we truly realise how much God is worth and how weak and poor we are? When we simply come, that's being poor in spirit. Let's truly give our hearts to God as we worship. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come Lord, just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your
song for a song in itself is not what you have It's all about you, Jesus. It's 
thank you, Lord, for the truth of those words. It's all about you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, our great and mighty God. And we just look up. Lord, we make that our dedication this morning, that we will look up and that we will find you. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Olu, can I ask you to come and share? Praise the Lord. When we are worshiping, the first worship, and the Lord said, there is healing. Healing is going on. That is healing. So we just release, he has healed. That's what he said when we are worshiping, that the power of healing is already released. Thank you, Olive. Thank you for that encouragement, Lord. God is our healer. And if you have been touched in any way this morning and you would like to talk with one of us to have prayer time, then please, during the time of refreshments at the end, as everyone goes and has teas and coffees, please do come forward and anyone from the pastoral team or the leadership team will be happy to pray with you and help you with that. Um, I'm, my role this morning is to bring some notices, so bear with me. There's only a few, but I want your listening ears still tuned in. Okay, <laughs> so first of all, a huge welcome to you all. It's so wonderful when the summer holidays are over to see faces we haven't seen for a while. And I hope you've all had a wonderful time and it's great to welcome you all back. A big welcome to visitors today. It's wonderful to have so many new faces with us. So huge welcome. And you should have been given by our lovely welcome team uh, a pack, and in it you will find a welcome card. Please do fill that in. If you'd like to stay connected with us and in touch with us, please do fill that in, hand it in to any one of us, and we'll be able to keep in touch with you. There's also an online card for those of you that are online, so please do, again, get in touch with us. This morning... We began our time here in the church kind of building with a time of prayer. And I really encourage you. It's so wonderful to be here at half past nine and to just be with God, to look up what we've been looking at, hearing about today, to commit this time into his hands, to ask his Holy Spirit to be with us. So please, if you're able to come, I encourage you, half past nine in the Ark building, which is the building just next door to this main church building, do join us. It will be a time of great blessing to you, I know. Blessings still continue. Wasn't it wonderful to see Dave and Sarge this morning? Isn't technology amazing? There they are in Pakistan, and yet we could be together as God's family, and it was wonderful to see him. The um, prayer program, the mission program that looks like this is still at, available at the back of the church. So there's been wonderful things going on. I was so excited when I heard Sarge speaking. It really encouraged me just to hear those testimonies of how God is at work and how wonderful and exciting that is. So please do keep them in your prayers, especially for health uh, at this moment in time but also for later today because they're due to go for a meal with some believers um, at eight o'clock their time. So please do cover them in prayer and there's a list of various things to pray for throughout the trip. 
There's 11 days to go until he returns. So keep, keep, keep praying. God's at work. Wonderful things happening. Please keep praying. Okay, you will see there's a lot on this slide. And that's because there's a lot of things coming up. And they are exciting. Dates for your diary. The light party. Who loves the light party? Oh, that was dreadful. Who loves the light party? <laughs> a great opportunity for children and families to come here to find out who Jesus is, the light of the world. So 29th of October, make sure it's in your diary. Start praying. The one at the top, bring and share lunch. Who loves a bring and share lunch? <laughs> Who loves a bring and share lunch? <laughs> I know you do because you all come. <laughs> so please be in preparation for that 15th of October. And ladies, who loves a retreat? <laughs> the biggest cheer, I think. We have a wonderful opportunity to come again together as ladies for an Advent retreat that Bev and Kerry are going to be leading us in. 2nd of December, all of these events, details will follow, but put the dates in your diary, please. 29th of October, 15th of October, 2nd of December. Thank you. Okay, my final slide. So thank you for listening so attentively. My final slide is about giving. As you know, we speak about this every week. It's part of the teaching that Jesus gives us. We pray, we fast, we give. And there are various ways that you can give. And we are just so thankful as a church because we are able to support, for example, the missions trip to Pakistan, the missions trip to Nigeria, the light party. So many things happen because you give. And as I was preparing to talk about it this morning, I asked a dear friend of mine, Bethany, <laughs> if she would just uh, help me to think about a scripture that might help to bring a message to you. And we chose the story of the widow giving. And I'm just going to pick up on the very last verse. Uh, it comes from Mark 12, verse 41 to 44. And it says, They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And you know what really struck me as I read it that time was that giving is a choice. And I know when Dave spoke about it last week and he spoke specifically about tithing and he's, he encouraged us, didn't he? Start somewhere. You know, if you feel that a percentage is too much, just start somewhere. And my encouragement to you again today is start somewhere. Make a choice to worship God with your giving. Giving of finance, giving of time, giving of yourself. So bless you all. Wonderful to see you all. Reminder, if you would like prayer, please do come forward. We're going to have refreshments in just a moment. But before we do, do we have any birthdays? Yay, come forward, come forward. <laughs> Wonderful. Happy birthday to Merceline. Did you have a lovely day? Yes. Excellent. Do we have any more birthdays? Wonderful. Please remind me your name. Abiola. Abiola. Merceline, Abiola. Anyone else? Esther. 
and Esme, okay? Mercelin, Abiola, Esme, shall we all stand and let's uh, sing to them and may the Lord bless them in their coming year. Can you lead us, Amelia, please? please do stay for tea coffee refreshments fellowship prayer it's been great having you here god bless you thank you so much for joining us today we hope that you enjoyed the teaching we'd love to hear from you so please contact us all the details can be found on our website god bless